Welcome back, everyone, to Your Life, God's Word, where we take the principles found in Scripture and we apply them to our everyday lives, those areas that are most important, faith, family, and community. All right, welcome back, folks. This is another episode of Your Life, God's Word, which you probably already heard that in the uh, opening bit there. But um, just to really confirm which podcast you're listening to, I guess. Uh, man, I really got to work on my opening, I guess. Uh, this one is a, a another part in our, our short series here talking about how not to despise prophecy. Go back and watch the first one. We spent a lot more time talking uh, about some of the intro level stuff. But we're going to dive into uh, some scriptural ways to test prophecy and what that means for us. And we're also going to look at some, uh, some some reasons or some ways that people might be susceptible to uh, false prophecy. So, uh, to recap last time, uh, we went through <clears throat> kind of a basic definition of prophecy, the thing that we're going to be using throughout this series. And generally, when, when uh, like I speak of prophecy or when people here at Breadbreakers, again, speak of prophecy. And really, I think in a New Testament setting, a lot of times when we talk about the prophetic or, or prophecy, what we're talking about is hearing and sharing what God is saying. We're hearing from God. We're sharing that in some capacity. Yes, this does incorporate uh, some of what we would call the gifts of the Spirit or other things that that maybe aren't uh, you know, the strict definition of prophecy. If you were to take prophecy and put it alongside a word of wisdom or word of knowledge well, what's the difference um, so when we're talking through this series and in general prophecy is just hearing and sharing what God is saying so it's someone that's hearing from God and speaking uh, what God is saying now that can be hearing from God out of the scriptures uh, something they received in prayer uh, just kind of an unction, whatever it might be. But again, lots of ways to hear and share, but that's the basic definition. And then we uh, we did talk about the purpose of prophecy, you know, building up, encouraging, cons uh, consolation. And we talked about three different things that we should do whenever we are uh, in a situation and we are uh, feeling to, to share something from God with someone, or we're receiving, we're on the receiving end of it. Uh, those three things are obey scripture, avoid division, and test everything. So go watch that first um, part or episode of this series, and you'll get a lot more on that. But this time we're going to dive into uh, a little bit of that third prong there, test everything. And uh, we're going to look at some ways that the Bible gives us to test some things. So Deuteronomy 18, 20 through 22 says, But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, How may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken, uh, has spoken it 
presumptuously, you need not be afraid of him. So the first kind of test, obviously, is, is it true? Or is it coming to pass? Or, you know, especially if it's uh, a prophetic word about a, a future event or something like that, does it happen? Um, I was in a meeting one time, and a person gave a very specific prophecy. Uh, we were we were actually gonna gonna be doing an event, go out, uh, you know, just doing some evangelism on the streets and stuff. And a, a person in that meeting uh, prophesied uh, some very specific things that were going to happen at the event, and it did not happen. That was incorrect, <laughs> right? That was incorrect. That's a way to know, well, that person was off, that person was wrong, and there you go. Now, uh, there is another thing that is a little, if you think about it, it's a little scarier, it's a little like, whoa, why would God allow that to happen? But God um, wants us to be people who follow after His Word, after what He says, and walk in obedience above all things. If you look at... um, uh, what Samuel told Saul when Saul disobeyed God, but then was like, well, I disobeyed, but I'm going to use all these animals and everything that I was supposed to kill and not take back. I'm going to use the best, you know, for sacrificing to God and worship to God and devotion to God. And Samuel said, hey, you know what? To obey is better than, than to sacrifice. Obedience is key. God wants us to obey. And there are times he will test us to see if we will. Uh, he tested Abraham. Uh, he will test people. And so this gets to our second test in the scriptures. So Deuteronomy 18, 20 through 22 was the test of, is it accurate? <laughs> Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 5 is another one because accuracy is a test. It is not the only test. I think that's something we should really get down. Just get that in your head. Accuracy is a test, but it is not the only test. Please, all my uh, Pentecostal uh, leaning uh, people that are, uh, you're, you're leaning in, you want the gifts of the Spirit, you want um, the, 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 you call it rhema word if you want, you want that, that fresh, um, just right there on time word of God. You want word of wisdom, word of knowledge, you want prophetic you know, utterances and things of that nature. You want tongues interpretation. You want these things to be alive. Uh, but you also don't want to be led astray. You don't want to uh, be, you know, following sensationalism and this kind of thing. You want to be grounded and rooted in truth. Hear what I am saying. Accuracy is a test. It is not the only test. All right? Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 5. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder... Now, again, this gets back to what I said in the beginning, kind of the opening, which was review of last time. There's different ways that you can get something from God, right? A prophet, you hear directly from God, maybe an audible voice, maybe it's an unction or a, or a vision, you dream a dream, whatever it is, doesn't really matter. But I think this gets to, even scripturally right here, there's different ways that people could receive something from God. So let's keep moving. Uh, they give you a sign or a wonder, verse 2, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass. And if he says, let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them, 
You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord, your God, is testing you. Stop right there. A prophet, somebody dreams a dream, and it comes to pass. It's a sign. It's a wonder. It's a miracle. It's a, they come up to you and they know something about you, about your childhood, that nobody else could possibly know. That How in the world could this person know this about me? Clearly, this is from God. Ooh, talk to me. Listen. Listen to what the Word is saying. Okay, somebody comes, and this, this again, some people will say, oh, that doesn't happen today. It absolutely happens today. This is absolutely possible. Um, listen, <laughs> there's no scriptural basis for this not happening today. Um, it absolutely could, but listen to what the Word is saying. There are times that God will allow something like that because He wants to test, are you going to chase after signs? Are you chasing Him or are you chasing signs? Are you chasing Him or are you chasing miracles and wonders? And so, if this church right here, where God has planted you, and again, take this in context, right? I'm not saying, oh, there's a church right here and they teach a bunch of doctrines that are, that are not right, but this is where you first met Christ. Don't ever go anywhere else. That is not what I'm saying. I am saying you're in a place. Let's just pretend you're in a place. They're grounded in the Word. They're all the things we're getting ready to talk about. And then there's a place across town that's got all kinds of miracles and stuff happening. Well, I want to go over there. I want to go where the where, where it's happening, man. I want to go where where the you know the fresh fire is being poured out. I'm going to use some of the terms right that we we get sucked into. I'm going to where where heaven is coming down to earth. You know, kingdom uh, now. Uh, you know, whatever. Right, fresh fire. Well, we do have to examine. What are they teaching, though? What is the direction this place is leaning? Because we are not meant to just chase signs and jump from one cool experience to another like some people do. There are whole movements and organizations that really propagate some of this stuff. We are supposed to be rooted and grounded in a local fellowship and assembly where we can what? Make disciples. Jesus was he, he was not focused on the miracles, on the signs. He said, yeah, that stuff's going to come. That's going to follow the believers. That's going to be a natural part of the kingdom of God and the and the true church. But what was he interested in? Go and make disciples. Teach them to observe what? All I've commanded you. He was wanting people to be obedient disciples following Christ in a lifestyle of sanctification right? A lifestyle of discipleship. He was not wanting to create little um, sensationalist mongers. <laughs> Is that a word? Sensation, sensation mongers. He wasn't wanting to create people that are jumping from place to place, miracle to miracle, group to group, and never becoming rooted and grounded, A, themselves, and B, part of the rooting and grounding process. This is what Jesus ultimately wants, and things that lead us away from that are leading us away from Jesus. I just want to make that very clear, because I am very I am very open, very into, I've been a part of, I've experienced myself, and through me, I have seen these things, I've seen many things happen, prophecy, healing, all kinds of stuff, but that, we don't chase that. 
We should not chase that. It shouldn't be like a service is a failure if there's no tongues interpretation. You know, oh, that was a that was a kind of a bummer, a dud of a Bible study if there was nobody that was miraculously healed. Oh man, that prayer meeting just kind of, you know, fell flat because it turned into more of a teaching session. If we're chasing sensationalism and we can't leave a place without Holy Ghost goosebumps on top of our Holy Ghost goosebumps, we have become babies and we have become susceptible to false doctrine, false preaching, false prophets, because why? We're not in the vein that God wants us to be in. Hear what I am saying. God will allow accurate prophecy. He will allow a miracle to happen. He will allow things to test you and to test me to see, are we clinging to that stuff or are we clinging to him in obedience in his word? I will now go back to the scriptures. That was pretty long, and so I'm going to remind everybody we're in Deuteronomy 13. (laughs) Going back to verse 3, You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Verse 4, he kind of expands, and what does he mean by, of course I love the Lord God. This is a miracle from God. This is God's definition of love. Ready? You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice, and you shall serve him and hold fast to him. Stop. Okay? That was verse 4, Deuteronomy 13, 4. Listen. Jesus said, if you love me, do what? Chase signs, chase miracles, blow kisses to me. Hey, you blow kisses to Jesus. That's fine. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying... Don't blow kisses and then disobey him. (laughs) That's not love. Jesus' definition of love is one thing. If you love me, prove it. How? Yes, Lord. How do I prove it? Obey me. This is not new. Jesus was not giving some new thing. God's definition. Let's go back. He wants to know, do you love Yahweh? right? With all your heart and all your soul. And then he says, you shall walk after him and keep his commandments and obey his voice and serve him and hold fast to him. That's how you prove it. People that love God, serve God consistently. People that love God, obey his word. They don't shudder when the word is preached and there's something maybe they have to change or modify because they they were going one way, and God said, no, it's this way. They believed one thing, and God said, no, it's this thing. People that love God, obey him. So we're going to go to verse 5 now, Deuteronomy 13, 5. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has taught, what? Rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of the house of slavery to make you leave the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk, so you shall purge the evil from your midst. Now, I don't think we stone people in um, or kill people <laughs> in the New Testament church. Of course not. But we should not also just be flippant about it. Oh, well, whatever, you know. You know, they've got a 20% hit rate. Ah, you know, 20%, that's that's decent. No, we need to correct if things are wrong. We need to be well-versed in the scriptures, in the word, anchored, 
in the word of God so that we can, what, obey him and keep his commands so that even if there's a miracle, even if there's a miraculous sign, if fire falls from heaven, if, you know, I'm trying to think of something just, whoa, I mean, if, 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 Again, a mountain is leveled at the word of somebody, but then they turn and they speak something contrary to Scripture. Well, that could just be God testing. So, two kind of two things, right? First, is it accurate? Two, are they pulling me away from obeying the commands of the Lord? Now, where do we find the commands of the Lord? Obviously, the scriptures are where we know we can trust that is what God has spoken. Those are the commands of God. And so both of these tests require a couple of things. I'm going to go through three things that they require. Uh, They require objectivity, um, healthy skepticism, you know, a desire for God's truth. They desire, you know, they require, I'll just say, you know, kind of truth. In order to get to truth, you have to have objectivity. You can't say, well, I just like this person so much, you know, I don't want to say they're wrong. That's not objective. That's not truth. You you can't just say, well, I mean, this person is a fill-in-the-blank, a pastor, a noted prophet. This person has, you know, a resume a mile long and a really sweet business card, Um so I'm going to turn my brain off. You got to have that healthy skepticism, but ultimately they both require a pursuit of truth. That's what they require. Now, when I say truth, I mean God's truth. I don't mean your truth, my truth, new agey truth. I don't. I don't mean like relative truth. I mean a pursuit of God's truth. They both require that. Second, they both require us to judge. You know, oh, don't judge. I mean. The Bible, Jesus flat out said we are supposed to judge. And when he said in Matthew 7, don't judge lest you be judged, you got to read the whole the whole thing, right? Five, seven verses. You know, For some people, that's a lot of work. I get it. But for those of us who pursue truth, reading seven to ten verses is nothing, okay? And he clearly says, get the beam out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to get the speck out of your brothers. He does not say flat out, don't judge, on to the next topic. He says the problem is people are judging with wrong judgment. People have a beam in their eye, and they're trying to correct this person over here with a speck in theirs. He says, hey, judge yourself first. Let's have right judgment. Okay? Got to take the scriptures in context, otherwise we get all messed up. So these require us to judge. You have to judge. Is it accurate? doesn't line up, okay? Now, on that, um, you know, I've seen with the accuracy stuff, just accurate, okay? I've seen people be, you know, say something wrong before, and for instance, I'll give you an example. I've been in meetings where this happened. Like, somebody said, you know, stood somebody up or whatever, hey, I'm I'm feeling like you you have a, you know, a pain in your back. You know, you there's, there's, there's issues going on with your back, and God wants to heal you. Is that true? No, I don't really have any pain in my back. There's nothing that I'm aware of or anything, right? Oh, well, maybe it's somebody over here in this area. Well, maybe you should have said that before, <laughs> right? Or, 
you know, oh, well, hmm, maybe this is a spiritual pain, or hmm, maybe, well, maybe it's a future. Maybe, maybe God, maybe you were going to have pain in your back, but now God wants to release you. Stop. Stop. Stop right now. Is it possible that God wanted to prevent somebody? They're, they are seeing a future thing? Yes, that is possible. Is it possible that, you know, God is God has not revealed the particular person, but he does want to say, maybe there's reasons. Maybe he doesn't want to embarrass somebody, call them out. Maybe for some people, getting stood up even to be healed would be, you know, just unbearable for them. Who knows? Okay? But here's the thing. A person flowing and working in that kind of vein should not try to backpedal. They should say, I'm I'm sorry, I guess I was wrong. You know, I'm look, I'm seeing through glass darkly. I apologize. You know, is there anything that we can pray with you about? Why can't we just be transparent? Why can't we learn from our mistakes? And then guess what? Next time, next time, instead of trying to fit that prophetic word, prophetic word into, you know, so that, well, I'm, I'm clearly right, so it must be some future thing or whatever. How about the next time they're going to learn, and if God didn't really say that, they're not going to say it. If they kind of felt it's over in this direction, their eyes just fell on this person, they're going to go, hmm, it may or may not be that person, but I'm not going to call them out because I don't want to be wrong. <laughs> you know, and then the church needs to have grace and mercy. If someone is doing that, they're stepping out. They've got a you know a track record of of accuracy and stuff, and they get something wrong. I don't think the church should throw them out. I think we should have grace, but in order to protect the flock, we should identify error and say no when something's wrong. We do identify it and say it's wrong. Well, that's the kind of place I want to be in because they're not going to tolerate error and and people being wrong and try to cover it up. But they are open to the the real that that's kind of what i want and looks like that's what god wants too that's why he has these these checks in here so accuracy and leading to continual obedience and pursuit of god's word um uh loving god with all your heart and all your soul which he defines as what serving me walking to my commandments already went through all that so three things pursuit of god's truth they the they both require pursuit of God's truth. Second, they all, they both require judging. And third, right, they require work on the hearer. Okay? Well, pursuit of God's truth and judging is work. But just in general, it requires us to know the Word of God. It requires us to be able to rely on um, even maybe elders, people in leadership. Hey, you know, is... Is what they're saying accurate? Or, hey, can I go to somebody and bounce something off of them? They're, they're saying this, they're saying that. It, it seems accurate, but is there something I'm missing? It requires work on our part. So if God allows a miracle to happen to test us, we better get ready to roll up our sleeves and work. Okay? Do some work. Have some effort. We can't just turn our brains off when living for God. That's never been a thing. Jesus said that he wants those who are what? Love him with heart, soul, mind, and strength. So just um, just a few things there, right? A true prophecy, it's going to be in alignment with Scripture. It's not going to lead people away from Scripture. It's not going to cause division, right? It's going to ultimately benefit the hearer. See, 
I think even a judgment on somebody, if they're still alive and breathing, it it is to get them to repent. You know, God said in Ezekiel, forget where it is, you know, I don't take pleasure in destroying the wicked. I want them to repent. <laughs> you know, John the Baptist was pretty hardcore, but he was his message was repent. Uh, Jesus' message was repent. The apostles, you know, they wanted people to repent, get right before God, even when it was a judging, you know, when Paul said, kick that guy out of the church in, in, the, in Corinth because of his open sin and his, he's unrepentant and you guys are all puffed up, boot this guy out. Why? His reasoning was give him over to Satan so that maybe for the destruction of the flesh or his, you know, for his own, I mean, his, his destruction, but so that maybe his soul can be saved. Again, even something as harsh as booting somebody out and excommunicating them is ultimately a last-ditch effort for repentance and reconciliation. So, again, obviously we already said it's going to be accurate um, if it's from God. So, um, let's look at a couple of things now to close this out. How, how is it that we could be susceptible? We've got these tests. We've got, um, you know, Jesus saying, obey me. How, how, how is it that people can be susceptible, susceptible to a false prophecy? Well, I don't know all the reasons, okay? I, I don't know everything. But I came up with five that I could just kind of think through. And I think, you know, if I needed to go into a more scriptural um, endeavor with any of these, you know, kind of pulling out scriptures. I don't, you know, again, I don't want this this uh, section of the podcast to be, you know, an hour long. But, I again, these are things that right out of scripture you can see a lot of this just um, with scriptural examples. So... Five of them that I'm going to go through real quick. One is flattery and puffing up. We all, come on, we like to hear good things. We, you, you give a Bible study and somebody pats you on the back and says, man, that was, that was awesome. There was a great revelation that came forward. I just learned a lot. We like that. We like to hear that. Who doesn't like to hear that? You did a good job, right? Uh, who doesn't like to hear a prophecy that says, God is for you. Do all that is in your heart right? God approves of what you're doing. You are a great woman of God, and you will speak to the nations. Who wouldn't want to hear a prophecy like that? You want that prophecy to be true. So flattery and puffing up uh, really does um, sometimes push our guard down. We don't really, do we really want to test that? <laughs> right? Do we really want to test that prophecy. Uh, another reason is, and this goes more to some of the doctrines or some of the attachment to a prophet. They say some prophecy, maybe it's some loose kind of generic thing. We're kind of like, oh, maybe this person's a prophet. Maybe they flatter us to get our guard down, and then they promise, here we go, ready? Some kind of secret knowledge. You know, this has been lost to a lot of places, a lot of churches, but I know the truth, right? The thing that pops into my mind with this 
a couple of things. One, um, people pro- might know of Branham, um, the Branhamites, uh, the um, the whole like serpent seed doctrine, all that stuff. I don't want to get into it right now, but if you, if you know what I'm talking about. One of the things is that it appeals to people's desire to be in the know. There's a reason why like secret clubs and, you know, shadowy, you know, organizations, there's a reason why they appeal to people. Uh, One of those reasons is you're a part of something that's secret. You've got this knowledge. You've got this, you know, there, it appeals, it appeals, you know, the serpent, speaking of the serpent, the serpent said to Eve, you know, there's knowledge you're going to have that God doesn't want you to have. It appealed to her. It appeals. This idea, you know, you go back to, um, you know, I think some of the things God was dealing with with the church in Colossae. And so some of the writings of Paul to the church in, uh, in Colossae and the uh, Colossians, you know, it's just, I think some of it was that. I think... Ooh, this super secret special knowledge. It appeals to our ego. It appeals to our ego. But it needs to line up with the Bible. I'm not saying there's not things that maybe even right now I don't know. I'm looking at it wrong. That's fine. But it needs to align with the Scriptures, and it needs to be something that it can be examined thoroughly, right? One of the problems with some people is that when you if you question people, if you have hard questions come back, study more questions. When people try to shut dialogue down, shut questions down, um, I'm not talking about some belligerent, you're trying to make, embarrass somebody or you're just making a point. It's a question, but you're really making a declarative you know, statement. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about honest questions. You know, Bereans or Bereans, however you want to pronounce that. The whole point, the apostolic tradition is that it's better for people to search the scriptures and actually have questions and and press on an issue um, with sincerity. So the whole idea of secret knowledge appeals to people. Number three, the easy believism, right? Easy believey. Um, it, when when we pull down some of the uh, some of the I'll say requirements, right? Oh, you can live however you want. You can be however you want. And Jesus just, he's going to accept you. Jesus accepts you just as you are. Yes, but he also requires us to repent. I mean, you can't just continue being a worldly, carnal person and expect Jesus, right? The carnal mind is the enemy of God. So how do we keep the carnal mind and still be, and now be the friend of God just because we raised our hand and said, oh, I give my heart to Jesus, Right? People want to hear that. They want to hear, oh, don't change a thing, but also you get to go to heaven. The promise of gain or power, right? God is going to bless you. God is going to increase your, you know, your your monetary income, your tenfold. Follow him. He sees where you are, right? These are things that they appeal to our ego. We I want if somebody tells me you're gonna you in 12 months, you are going to quadruple your income. I want that to be true. <laughs> you know, unless the rest of the prophecy is, and this is going to destroy you and your family or something like that, right? I mean, folks, who doesn't want good stuff to happen? Who doesn't want things like that to be true? And you will bless the kingdom of God. Oh, yeah, of course I will, Lord. You know, 
to somebody that doesn't, you know, they don't, they don't give regularly right now, but when they have that, when they have that increase on their job, oh, now I will. <laughs> right. I, oh, I'm, I'm chintzy right now and hardly giving on a regular basis. But man, if I just had that promotion, then all of a sudden, wrong. You know, even like research and data proves that out. Um, but again, who doesn't want that? The last thing I'm gonna I'm gonna say. So we got flattery and puffing up. We've got the promise of secret knowledge. We've got you know the easy believism. You're you're appealing to people's desire to really not follow God. Um, the promise of wealth or gain or power or influence. You're going to be a prophet to the nations or whatever. Um, and then the fifth thing is exploiting circumstances, exploiting stressors. When people are hurt or they're going through a tragedy, when somebody's frustrated over something, when somebody's confused, somebody coming in, right? Let's just say somebody has been hurt, you know, hurt by someone in the church. And let's just pretend on this example, it's legitimate hurt. It was a, they were legitimately wronged. And then somebody comes in and they, you know, the Lord just wants you to know that he sees you. And the leadership here handled that poorly. And, you know, by the way, I have this Bible study that I'm doing secretively on Tuesday. You should come to that. If you want healing from this, that kind of stuff happens on the regular. Okay. It happens on the regular. Um, it is possible that someone is legitimately hurt. Many times when someone has, let's say there's a legitimate need for leadership, right? Say church discipline, some kind of, you know, we, we don't want to think about that, but as a leader, I don't want to think about that. I, I hate that stuff. I hate having to like go to someone and correct them and like look them in the eye. Oh, when I say I hate it, I mean personally, right? But biblically, that is my job. That's part of my job. And so absolutely, it's going to get done. Something needs to be corrected. It will be corrected. But it's never fun. You know there's feelings involved. There's And, and again, a lot of times as a pastor, you're friends with a lot of people. You're you're close to these people. You hang with them. You're they're they're your family. And so you got to go to someone with correction. It's never fun. But let's just say that happens. Somebody needs to be corrected. And in that time, maybe they're just you know processing it or whatever. That's a time where they might be a little stressed. There's a stressor there. There's an there's a little bit of that. There's they might be susceptible. Maybe uh, when certainly when people are going through a tragedy or something like that. And then someone comes in with a prophetic word, right? So there's lots of ways, and I'm sure you can go more than five. There's lots of ways that we can let our guard down and we can become susceptible to uh, false prophets, false prophecies. Um, and they all boil down really to some kind of manipulation, manipulation of the circumstance, manipulation of our desires, manipulation of pride, or whatever it might be. And this is why it's important. And I, I already gave one little uh, one little thing here. Um, accuracy is a test, but it's not the only test. And the other thing is sincerity. Sincerity is not a valid measure of truth. When someone is sincere, this person is sincere. They're so sincere when they're prophesying. They're so sincere when they're given that word. They're so sincere when they're expounding this new doctrine that's been lost or whatever it is. Um, 
That doesn't mean anything. They can be sincerely wrong. There are people who are sincere that are absolutely wrong, and they're spreading that false doctrine or false way of thinking or whatever it is. They're spreading it, and they don't even know they're the manipulator. They don't even know. (laughs) They're spreading it, and they're sincerely wrong. They've been sincerely manipulated themselves. So 2 Timothy 3 is where I'm going to end this one. 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 17, kind of a lengthy portion, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus in on a couple of different things here. So, you, however, have followed my, listen to what he's, what, what he's saying. You followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So expect persecution. Expect people not to love you uh, for everything you say when you're saying, hey, this is truth and that's wrong, or hey, you need to repent. Everybody's not going to love you for that. Okay? That's what what we signed up for when we become a quote-unquote Christian, a disciple of Christ. Uh, Just hope you you know that, right? You signed up to be persecuted. You signed up for some people to hate you because you love them. That's right. Now, again, the definition of love, loving them means you're going to call to repentance. You can do it lovingly, but again, truth is truth. And so he says, you need to follow after these things. Follow this example. Follow these things. Verse 13 says, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. So the confidence in Paul, right? And the confidence in what they have learned, the truth of God's word. Verse 15, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training, and righteousness, that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. So there's the the last two verses, right? A lot of people know those verses 16 and 17, but it's kind of sandwiched in. Follow my teaching and conduct. You're, you're following after these things, specifically, right? That teaching, you've learned these things. And then at the end, he talks about the word of God, scripture. That's where, you know, that's where truth is. And scripture is what we need to be, what? Complete and equipped for every good work. But in between, he says, there are there are evil people and imposters deceiving and being deceived. Sometimes people, they are imposters. They are deceiving people, but they themselves are also deceived. They are actually buying what they are selling. They believe it, even though it's wrong. So again, sincerity is not a valid measure of truth. You can be sincerely wrong. And so... I'm not saying that every person that prophesies falsely or, or every person that comes with a doctrine or whatever, that they are manipulating intentionally. They know it's wrong. They know it's false. They know it's fake. They know what they're saying is incorrect. There are people who might get an utterance, and that utterance did not come from God, but they think it did. And so they are deceived, and then they turn around and deceive somebody else. That is highly possible. It is not only possible, it is actual. It is probable. It does happen 100%. And this is why it is up to us, right? Those of 
Those of us who are on the receiving end of a prophetic word or any kind of prophetic thing, anything like that, it is on us to do the work, right? It is us, to, it, is, it is we who will help ourselves, save ourselves, save our families, save our communities, help our churches. How? Pursuing that truth, judging, and doing the work necessary, right? Doing the work necessary. That's, that's how it's going to happen. Understanding these things. Understanding there's a, there's a susceptibility sometimes to a pro- false prophecy, right? Those five things I talked about. Um, there, and, and every person who prophesies falsely is not a evil, twisted, you know, they're intentionally trying to confuse people. Some people are confused and twisted, and they are just straight up messed up themselves. And what comes out of that? They mess up other people. And so sometimes the answer is loving correction and helping people uh, to be um, cleansed, helping people to be pulled out of deception themselves. And other times, they know they're they know what they're doing. And in those times, you need correction and possibly expulsion if that person is not going to repent and get straight. But I think, again, we need to not always think, well, I know this person's sincere, so surely it's it's true. No, they could be sincere, and it's sincerely wrong. So we've got to do the work. Now, those who want to be used in a, in a, in a um, prophetic sense, you want to be able to uh, hear from God and share with others and, and, and benefit people and grow the body and evangelize and these kinds of things. We just need to know this is all... This is all part and parcel to, to, to what we're wanting. And so we need to be people that are balanced. We need to be people that are um, aware of our own possibility to get things wrong or to have our own little um, hang-ups and stuff. We need to walk with God. We need to know the Word. That is a huge... People who want to be prophetic or want to operate in that need to know the Word so you're not getting ready to say something or do something that's out of order. It's out of line with God's Word. Um, so puts a lot of, I'll say work on the entirety of the body of Christ, but guess what? Things that are worthwhile generally do take work. And I can promise you when you've got a flow of the spirit, when you've got people that operate in these things, when God can speak to people and through people and you see things happen that no man could possibly do, like in, in, in a hundred years of counseling, you really couldn't accomplish you know, whatever, this thing over here for this this person or this marriage. And then God, through somebody, just comes in, speaks a word. And they're like, oh my goodness, this is clearly God. And then you're able to deliver the word of God. You're able to, that is just, again, it's amazing. It's amazing. But it does take work. So I'm going to drop it right there round two. Next time, we're going to talk a little bit about those people who, they do know what they're doing. (laughs) Call them wolves in sheep's clothing, if you want to. And we're going to talk a lot about people in that boat, because there are many people who, yes, they they do realize. They're they're building up stuff for themselves. They're drawing disciples unto themselves and that kind of thing. Um, So, we will get into that next time. But for now, I hope this has blessed you. And, uh, yeah. Love you guys. God bless. We'll catch you on the next podcast.